0: Good morning. morning. I have to tell you something I wasn't planning on saying, but I saw something on my way to church this morning that was just an awful thing. I was going by a restaurant, I won't tell you which one it is, but they had Sunday special liver and onions. They even lit up their sign had flashing lights. There is nothing special <laughs> on any day of the week. Now, a matter of fact, I was telling Mom and Dad just a few days ago, the only thing about liver and onions I can think of is, man, what a great way of destroying an onion. <laughs> you know? And so I'm hoping that, <laughs> that you're... Sunday is a lot more special <laughs> than what that restaurant is offering uh, to its customers today. <laughs> nope, I refused. <laughs> I do appreciate that you offered that, but I, I turned it down. So, yes. It is good to be here this morning. Glad you're here. And this morning, we're going to talk about legacy. And living a life that lasts. And on the front of your bulletin, you see a quote from uh, Billy Graham where he said, The legacy we leave is not just in our possessions, but in the quality of our lives. You know, legacy is something that, that we hand down. We, we want our lives to have an impact on others, don't we? We want our lives to have an impact for the good. Uh, all around us because don't we want to live in such a way that our legacy outlives us we we want to live a life that that counts that has meaning that uh, brings about good and also gives god pleasure you know life is more than living and dying we we want to make our lives count more effectively for christ So do you ever consider your legacy? And I'm not talking about just your legacy after you die. Your legacy of today, what are you offering those who are following in your footsteps? What are you leaving behind to those who are following you and your example? Because our legacy is a picture of us. know our legacy is more than a reputation it's our reality and so what kind of legacy are we leaving to those who are following us well we're going to look at a person in the old testament this morning um, a king who was one of the kings in of israel the israelites who chose not to live a life of offering a legacy but Living a life for self, and if you have your Bibles, turn to Second Chronicles chapter twenty-one. Second Chronicles chapter twenty-one. We're going to look at a, a king named Jehoram, and if you've never heard of him, that's okay. That fits real well with the lesson, Be, because he, he just did not leave a good legacy. King Jehoram's life was a mere forty years of selfishness failure, and bad decisions. Now let me give just a little background before before the the time of Jehoram as king. From Genesis to the first part of 1 Samuel, the the government style of God's people was a theocracy. God was in charge. Now, God used various people, various leaders like Moses and judges to, to help the people. But God was in charge. But the people, they, they started saying, we want a king. You know, these other nations have kings. We want a king. And so God allows them to have a king, and Saul was the first, and then David, then Solomon. After Solomon, the, the kingdom of Israel divided. There was a northern kingdom and a southern kingdom. And in the time of the divided kingdoms there were 39 kings. Only eight of them were good kings. Only eight of them were considered faithful to God. And in the northern kingdom, they they didn't have any good kings. All the eight that were good were from the southern kingdom. And uh, King Jehoram, Is one of the kings in the southern kingdom. Now he had an opportunity to be a good king. There were influences in his life that he could have been good because his grandfather, King Asa, was one of the good kings. His father, King Jehoshaphat, was one of the good kings. But he chose to be an awful king. And so in verse 20, 2 Corinthians chapter 21, verse 20, I I look at this verse as this is King Jehoram's obituary because it's just a description of his life. And it says, Jehoram was 32 years old when he became king, and he reigned in Jerusalem eight years. He passed away to no one's regret, and he was buried in the city of David, but not in the tombs of the kings. Jehoram reigned in Jerusalem for eight years and no one was sorry when he died. Don't we all want to be missed someday? Don't we want to be remembered? And don't we, in in life, want to be recognized? Don't you, don't you want to walk in a room and people know you? It's sort of like the uh, theme song from the sitcom Cheers that said, sometimes you want to go where everybody knows your name. We kind of like that. We like to be recognized. You know, it would be awful to come to your high school graduation and you're standing there getting ready to walk across the stage to pick up your diploma and they call out your name and, and you walk across and your classmates look at each other and say, who's that? Wouldn't that be awful that no one recognizes you? We like to be recognized, but we also like when people care about us. And no one cried when King Jehoram died. No one cared. No one missed this characterless man. You know, it's one thing to die, but it's another thing to die without leaving any type of positive or life-changing legacy. You saw at the end of verse 20, That it says that Jehoram was buried, but he was not buried with the kings. That tells you something as well. Because, see, it was an honor in that day for a king to be buried with the, the other kings that have died in the past. But Jehoram wasn't buried with the kings. He wasn't buried with honor because the day he died, no one cared to honor him no one cared that he had died so what does a person have to do to live such a life of dishonor you know how bad do you have to be to to have a life like jehoram you know over the years i've i've done quite a few funerals i've done some sad funerals and i'm not talking about emotionally that they're missing the person one time, there were so few people showed up for a person's funeral that not only did I do the service, I had to be a pallbearer as well. There wasn't even enough people to carry the casket. Another time, I did a service for such a dysfunctional family. They, they did not like one another. The siblings did not like one another, and they did not respect their mom who had died. They're at the funeral because they felt like they were obligated to show up. The reason I was asked to do the service is because the siblings fought over who was going to do the service, that finally, because they were stubborn, they couldn't agree, the funeral home director just said, let me take care of it, and he gave me a call. After the service was over, the family just walked out. They didn't care about the flowers. They didn't care about the cards. They just told the funeral home director, You take care of it, because they had no respect for their mom. They didn't respect one another. How sad. And the funeral home director did something I, I thought was great. And that is, he said, Hey, I'll take these flowers to the nursing home. They'll like the flowers. But the family just. Was so dysfunctional, so sad. Why didn't the people care about King Jehoram? Why was his life so disgraceful? Well, we see in uh, verse four of Second Chronicles chapter one a description of his life. Uh, verse four it says he was evil. Um, he wanted to avoid any type of rivalry that somebody would take his throne away from him. So what he did, he had his brothers killed. And he had other leaders in Judah killed so that they would not be a threat. Uh, verse 11 said he abandoned the Lord. Instead of leading people to the Lord like his grandfather and his father did, no, he led them to idolatry and worshiping other gods. In verses 12 and following, it talks about that he even rejected God and God's warnings. There was a time that Jehoram was in a battle against the Edomites, and God protected him. And I I really think that this was God saying, Hey, Jehoram, uh, this is a wake-up call for you. Um, If you remember the sermon that I gave a couple months ago, I think this was Jehoram's mulligan, saying, Hey, uh, you get a second chance, but he didn't repent. He didn't change. And even the prophet Elijah wrote him a letter saying, hey, don't you realize there's consequences for the evil that you're doing? You need to, to change. But he didn't listen. Jehoram married a woman named Athaliah. And she was evil as well. She even tried to destroy the whole family line of King David was not successful, obviously. He married her, and he knew she was probably going to be evil because her dad was King Ahab, who was king in the northern kingdom, one of the bad kings. King Ahab is kind of, the, the other bad kings were compared to King Ahab. Because he was probably the worst of them all, so you know if you were really bad, you were, you know, close to King Ahab. But do you remember who King Ahab married? Queen Jezebel. And so Athaliah's parents were evil, and so was she. And Jehoram married her. And verses sixteen and following talk about how Jehoram lost honor Uh, because he turned his back on the Lord, he disobeyed God and so he was defeated in battle against the Philistines Uh, he uh, lost almost his whole family except for one son and you know his wife and he lost his wealth and was struck with a severe and terminal disease the legacy of Jehoram is dismal, it's awful But here's the deal. Every life has a story. Every life builds and leaves a legacy. And we want our lives to have an impact on others. We want our lives to be more effective for Christ, don't we? But creating a legacy isn't one of these things where you you know that you're doing all these good things and it's going to be a part of your legacy because, you know, as you're doing it, you can hear the angels singing and they're playing their harps because you're doing these wonderful things that's creating this wonderful legacy. You know, as you're doing these good things that people are going to remember, there's no halo over your head. Or as you walk in the, you know, the the foyer here at church, you know, there's not music playing because you entered in, because you have this wonderful legacy. No. Do you realize that the things that are a part of your legacy are going to be little things that you do? And those little things, I'm not saying insignificant, but those little things that you do that other people see, that other people remember you doing that had an impact for good you may not even remember doing them but it's still a part of your legacy a little over a month ago Susan Sanchez was here and she was talking about you know the the ministry that her and her husband Josh are doing in the country of Mexico and during the Sunday school hour she gave a talk you know again what, what they're doing, and but she talked about just the impact this congregation had on her as she was growing up, and if you were there, you remember that she talked about little things, but they were big to her, and it was little things that people did that they may not even remember that they did it, but it's a part of the legacy. And it had an impact on her. The last time I spoke and preached up here, I uh, talked about Kentucky Road Christian Church, your ministry footprint over the the last fifty six years. That ministry footprint, uh, you know, is good. There, there, there is so many. Great stories that come out of the impact that you all have had on various lives, and how you know the, the kingdom is doing great things because of the influence of your ministry. But understand that footprint of ministry, you can also call it your legacy. And uh, I was thinking about that it's been 40 years ago that I was a teenager here in the youth group. And, uh, you know, I'm not going to say that Kentucky Road at that time were uh, trailblazers in youth ministry or on the cutting edge of youth ministry because nobody knew what the cutting edge of youth ministry was at that time. Um, you, you were just living your lives. Leaders were leaders. Parents were parenting. You, you were just desiring to be faithful to the Lord. But you were having an impact. Matter of fact, the, the things that were taking place here in uh, Kentucky Road, uh, considering the youth program, and I, I'm talking about children's ministry as well, because there was people like Olamay Kacak, and some of them just, there was a lot of just great faithful people who cared about, The whole church, but especially, you know, making sure that the youth were encouraged and opportunities to serve. But I, I think about that here, 40 years later, there's still a lot of churches that haven't come to an understanding of the value of youth ministry than what Kentucky Road was doing 40 years ago the opportunities that you, that you all gave to us as teenagers, the, the privileges and the respect. And I, I can't even, I don't have time this morning to talk about just the, the aspect of respect that you gave to us as the youth. But over the years, I've heard this phrase, and, and I'm not critical of the, the phrase because I know what people are saying with this, saying that the future of the church is the youth. The youth are the future. Can we go a little deeper than that? The youth are the church today. They're not just something we think about in the future and we pray, prepare for them in the future. No, they are the church today. And there is a difference between the, the two ideas, as far as the opportunities, the privileges, and the respect that you give to the youth, when you think of, no, they are the church today. They are a part of the, the whole ministry. And there, there's just too many opportunities I could talk to, you know, as far as stories. But you all gave us opportunities to serve. Back then, we used to have a Sunday school opening exercise and we had, you know, songs and, and the youth were in charge of leading the songs, playing the instruments and making the announcements. And remember, we had the little church uh, birthday bank and stuff and you, you helped with that. Uh, Sunday nights, we had a full-blown worship service and the youth led the the worship and the, the songs and played the instruments. Uh took up offering, communions, a lot of times even got to preach. Just some great opportunities. But, you know, part of your legacy is is just the little things that stand out. I remember getting caught a couple times saying the wrong thing. Like somebody would say, "Uh, Marshall, are you going to sit up front with us at church? And I'd say, no, because I have to help with communion. I've got to serve communion. And I can remember Howard Barker turning around and saying, No, you don't have to. You get to. Chew on that for a bit. See, I don't have to preach this morning. I get to preach this morning. We get to serve our Lord and Savior. Now, that was big to me, and it has impacted my ministry over the years, that I get to serve. But you know, it may have been such a little thing. I don't know if Howard ever remembered saying that, but it was huge to me. When I was in high school, there was a time that mom and dad were house parents at Shiloh Christian Children's Ranch. And when I was 16, we, we moved back to, to Mexico and, and some from Kentucky Road helped us you know, load up the trucks and move back to Mexico. And after we got everything loaded up, one of the elders from Kentucky Road was there and, and he said, hey, Marshall, jump in my pickup. Ride with me back to Mexico. And for the next hour and 15 minutes, I had one of the greatest lessons this gentleman said, you know, in life, you're going to find out that in the church and in ministry, sometimes people mess up. And sometimes you're, you're going to see people fail. And they'll do things that even hurt you. What are you going to do about it?" And his answer, and I'll summarize because it was an hour and 15 minute talk. He said, understand God is still God. God's in charge. But you show mercy. Be merciful. Even when people do things wrong, even that hurt you, make sure you show mercy. And, and what came to mind was Micah 6.8. It says, He has shown thee, O man, what is good, and what does the Lord require of thee, but to do justly, and to love mercy, and to walk humbly with thy God. Story after story is a part of your legacy. I was talking to my brother Norm on the phone this past week, because a few months ago he shared a story of something that impacted him, a very little thing but it still had an impact on him when he was uh, in the youth group here. And so I called him up just to make sure I had the details and and had his approval to tell the story. But his story is there was a time as a teenager a bunch of the cousins in the youth group got together to go camping and they went out to the farm at Aunt Lana and and it was a bunch of cousins, which I found out after Norm was telling me. I don't know why I wasn't invited. I think they blackballed me. <laughs> but they, they got together, and and they decided, hey, why don't we ask Dave Leslie if he wants to go camping with us? Dave was the preacher at the time. And so they, they contacted Dave, and he said, sure, I'll camp with you. Now, I understand this was roughing it, you know, There wasn't any tents or anything like that. It was just finding a spot next to the woods out in the pasture, making a fire, and, you know, there was fireworks and stuff like that that was part of it to have some fun. But but here, 40 years later, that little thing that Dave Leslie said, yeah, I'll go camping with the high school guys, had a huge impact. And as I was talking to Norm on the phone, we, we were just discussing various stories. And one that, that stood out was, it was August 1975, we, as a youth group, we were at a Christian Youth Conference in Tahlequah, Oklahoma. And on the way back from Oklahoma back to Mexico, Lou Isaacs, remember Lou? Lou Isaacs rode back with us on the church bus. Now, the church bus was what, a 1961 Chevy old, wasn't very fast on the road, no air conditioning, but she wanted to ride back with us. I found out later. The reason for her riding back with us, she planned it to go see her sister in Oklahoma, to time it so that she got to ride back with us because because she thought it would be cool to hang out with the the youth. She wanted to spend time with the youth. And of all things, to ride back in the church bus. You know, that that was a challenge. And then Norm told me this, this week about Lou Isaac, something I hadn't heard before. When I was in high school, Norm and I both, when we were in high school, we took night classes at Central Christian College. And uh, we were in a class together about the, the book of Jeremiah, studying the book of Jeremiah. And the, the class project at the end of the semester was we had to write our own commentary for the book of Jeremiah. And how we had to do this, because this was before you know everybody had computers, so you had to find some old discarded Bibles, take the page out, You know, paste it to notebook paper, and then at the bottom, you wrote your comments on the verses on that page, and you created your own commentary. And so we needed old Bibles. And so it was announced that, you know, here's this project Norm and I are doing. And and Lou Isaacs came up to Norm and handed him an old leather-bound Bible. And she said, I I heard that you all have this project, and and I I want to be a part of it. I I want to help you. And so here's this Bible. And she said that this Bible was her sister's Bible. And she said, "I, I don't want to know what you're going to do with the Bible, but I want you to have this to help you out. Norm didn't have the heart to tell her he didn't use that Bible because he thought that probably that was her sister's only Bible. And so he kept it instead of using it for this commentary. But you know, what stands out is just that many more stories because it's a part of your legacy. It's a part of your ministry footprint. Because... Being a part of the youth group here, we realized that we were a part of a church family. And so the opportunities, the privileges, the respect, thank you for that. Because it has had an impact. Your stories has had an impact. Your little things that you did has had an impact. See, our, our lives are inevitably influenced by others. For either good or bad but part of the tragedy of King Jehoram's life all those evil things that he did weren't, weren't just things that affected him and his legacy as far as nobody cared but it had an effect on the whole nation of Judah today you can change your legacy the direction by deciding to invest in people and just living to have an impact on others and, and have your life more effective for Christ. You know, to we need to choose to, to make our lives count for the better. As I close, you know, making our life count more effectively for Christ is so important. But King Jehoram died honorless. But as followers of Jesus, we know there is this great honor. It's talked about in John chapter 1, verse 12. It says, Jesus is going to honor us. To all who have received him, to those who have believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God. What a privilege to be a part of God's family. To be honored by Jesus you know one thing that is certain when we live for Christ a grand welcome awaits us when we reach heaven someday but before we finish out this service maybe there's somebody here that has questions uh, you know how can I make my life more effective for Christ how, how can I have an impact on others I want you to know there's a bunch of people in this room Would love to talk to you and and encourage you and help you as you make those changes, as you develop an incredible legacy. Or, Or maybe you're you're new to you know the church and you've heard lessons and they're talking about God and Jesus and living your life for him and you have questions. What does all this mean? Again, you're you're seated among some people who would love to sit down with you and share. The love of Jesus and what Jesus has given so that you can have that. Or maybe the question this morning is, how can God use me? You know, I've I've got too much baggage or there's just been too many hurts in my life. How, How can God use me? Well, I'm reminded of a song by Third Day that says, There is hope for the helpless, rest for the weary. Love for the broken heart. There is grace and forgiveness, mercy and healing. He'll meet you wherever you are. Cry out to Jesus. And so remember, the legacy we leave is not just about our possessions, but it's the quality of our lives. And sometimes the quality of our life that people remember are just little things that we did maybe you don't even remember doing them but they had an impact and so God bless you and thank you and continue your legacy let's pray Lord I thank you for your great love thank you for your help through every day we thank you for your spirit and Lord we thank you that you, you have given us your message, your love letter to us as we see the incredible gift that we have through Jesus. Lord, I pray that today we we will just consider our legacy, how we are impacting others, how we're living for you, and Lord, help us to realize that even the little things we do can have such a huge impact on others. Lord, just continue to stir within us. Lord, continue to bless us. Bless this congregation as they continue to minister here in this area. We love you. Thank you for loving us. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen.